If you have your Bible today, uh, would you take it out and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. I really do hope that you'll grab your Bible or, or your electronic device. And I hope you'll follow along in the scripture because we really are going to be staying in this text and really studying it verse by verse. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses number 12 through 27. Today is the last sermon in our series on mission. I've taken six weeks now to preach on what our mission as a church is, and that is helping people find and follow Jesus. And then I've, I've spent a few weeks now uh, telling our church what it looks like to find and follow Jesus. And, and that's where the growth steps come in. As you can see on the graphic, following Jesus starts with finding Jesus. And that's when you believe, place your faith in him as your personal Lord and Savior. The next step is to commit through church membership. The third step is to connect with other believers through a connection group. The fourth step is to grow through attending the evening services, because as we talked about last week, the more you go, the more you grow. And then the fifth step is to serve through ministry involvement. Now, I want you to remember, church, that these are growth steps, not growth jumps. That means God doesn't expect us to just be everything we need to be all at one time. Um, we need to start with believing and, and then just gradually be working towards the next step in our Christian life. He doesn't expect us to grow all at once, thank goodness, but he does expect us to always be working towards taking that next step. And, and so I, I hope that, that, that you will be working not towards perfection, but certainly towards progression. Now, if you're in 1 Corinthians 12, chapter 12 in your Bible, we're going to be studying this passage to talk about that last step, which is serving through ministry involvement. Last Sunday evening, Tom Brady proved to the world that he is indeed the GOAT of football. I think that's inarguable. At age 43, he led the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to win the Super Bowl. He even won the Super Bowl MVP award. I would say that he definitely was the name talked about the most last Sunday and the player on the team who got the most attention. However, there's someone that deserves just as much credit as Tom Brady, and that's Donovan Smith. Chances are everyone knows who Tom Brady is, but fewer people probably know who Donovan Smith is. He's the starting left tackle for the Buccaneers, and he's actually the most important player to Tom Brady because as a right-handed quarterback, Donovan Smith is responsible for keeping Tom Brady from getting blindsided and getting hit from behind, which would result in a, in a turnover or, or an injury. So without the Donovan Smiths of the NFL, there'd be no Tom Brady's. Yet when was the last time you heard of a left tackle getting the MVP award? When was the last time you watched a Super Bowl and heard the left tackle saying to the camera, I'm going to Disney World? It just doesn't happen. You see, though the media doesn't put a lot of value on the left tackle position, I would venture to say that if you asked a right-handed quarterback how valuable his left tackle is, he'd say without a doubt he's priceless. Now, I say all that to make this point. The church is a lot like a football team. In order for us to fulfill our mission as a church, which is to help people find and follow Jesus, every single person on the team involved needs to play their role. And the truth is, we do have some QBs. We have some Tom Brady's in the congregation. But you know what we have more of in Fellowship Baptist Church? Donovan Smith's. We have a lot more left tackles. And the point of the message today is simply this, everybody matters. And we need everybody. 
If I put it into a statement, here's the big idea of the message right up front. Everybody is somebody in the body. My dad has said that for decades now to our church family. And I repeat it because it's so true. Everybody is somebody in the body. And that's the point that the Apostle Paul is going to make to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. In this passage, and many of you might know it, he uses a very vivid illustration of the human body and he applies it to the church as the body of Christ. So just as the human body has many members like arms and legs and ears and eyes, so does the church body and every member matters. Here's the truth today. This body, talking about Fellowship Baptist Church, it needs everybody because none of us are as effective alone as all of us are together. Now, I want to point out three truths simply from this text that I, will hope, I hope will encourage everybody who hasn't taken the, the, the fifth growth step of serving through ministry involvement to take that step very soon. Here's the first point. Because everybody is somebody in the body, no one should feel insignificant in the body. If you're paying any attention in our country There's been a lot of talk in recent years about different economic classes. There's the 1%. There's the shrinking middle class. There's the poor. I mean, like it or not, there just are different economic classes in our country. But thankfully in the church, the gospel erases all classes. I love that. It erases economic classes and ethnic classes and social classes. The truth is that we're made up of all sorts of different people, but we are nonetheless one people. And that's what Paul explains in verses 12 and 13. It says, for as the body is one and hath many members and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free and have been all made to drink into one spirit. In other words, When each of us were saved by God's grace, um, the same Holy Spirit birthed us all into the family of God and then came to live equally on the inside of all of us who call ourselves children of God. So, So the ground is not only level at the foot of the cross, it's also level within the family of the church. But while we're all equal members of the same body, as Paul said, here's the thing, we don't all have the same gifts or do all the same things within the body. See, some of us have more prominent roles and more public gifts than others do. And because of that, someone who has less visible gifts may think they're not important. But that would be absolutely wrong because no one is insignificant in the body. That's what Paul tried to stress to the Corinthians. Look at verses 15 and 16. If the foot shall say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? In other words, would the foot be right? And if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? So so in this vivid illustration, Paul uh, just, it's funny to me, imagines a foot looking up at a hand and saying to itself, hey, I'm all the way down here on, on the ground. I'm covered up by socks. I'm covered up by shoes. And the hand is up there getting all the attention, touching stuff and, and turning stuff. And I'm not really a part of the action. I'm not even... I'm not even part of this body. Likewise, the ear says, hey, all all I do is hear sounds. The eye, eye, he gets to look around and the eye gets to see colors and and lights and all kinds of cool things. And everyone looks right at him. They don't even look at me, even though they're talking to me. I'm not really part of this body. That's kind of funny, but, but, but I think it makes a valid point. See, we recognize that, that despite the foots and the ears, low self-esteem, 
They're very much still a part of the body, even if they pout and protest that they're not. Likewise, someone in the church whose gift is something like service or or giving or intercessory prayer or encouragement or mercy, they might say one Sunday, you know what, Pastor, I don't I don't ever get on the platform. I'm not an elected officer of the church. Nobody really knows me that well. The truth is, I'm not really even a part of this church. I don't think I'm that important to this body. Hey, in reality, Paul is saying, even if you tell yourself that, it's not true. God has placed you in this body. He's gifted you uniquely for the needs of this body. And no amount of self-pity can change the fact that you are a viable part of this body. Study with me further in verse 17, where where Paul asks a great question. If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where were the smelling? So the point is clear. If the body were just an eye, it couldn't function. If it were only an ear, it couldn't exist. Each part of the body is important and valuable to the life of the body. I love the way Warren Wearsby makes this point. He says the body needs different functions if it is to live. I suppose I could learn to walk on my hands, but I prefer to use my feet. The ear cannot see and the eye cannot hear, yet each organ has an important ministry. And he says, have you ever tried to smell through your ears? You see, someone in this church may think to themselves, I can't preach like that pastor. I can't sing like that sister. I can't deacon like that brother. I just am not all that important. Or or perhaps somebody might be thinking this even this morning. Why didn't God make me more like him? Or why didn't God make me more like her? Why, why don't I have the kinds of gifts they do? Listen to me, church. The reality is that your complaints of insignificance or inadequacy are not just toward the body around you. They're actually directed toward the God above you. I think it's quite insulting to the God that made you, actually. Notice what verse 17 says. But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. So, so where and how you fit into this body of believers is not ultimately a matter of personality. It's not ultimately a matter of church politics. Listen, it's a matter of divine providence. God made you. God saved you. And then God uniquely gifted you for a, a specific function and purpose in Fellowship Baptist Church. And when you're not satisfied with your place in the body, you're actually not satisfied with God's grace in your life. So understand. That though you may wrestle with who you are, where you come from, or even where you fit into God's plan, He has made each of you wisely and wonderfully and uniquely, and no one should feel insignificant in the body because everybody is indeed somebody in the body. That's the first point. Notice secondly, that because everybody is somebody in the body, no one should feel independent from the body. So on the one hand in Corinth, you you had some folks who didn't think enough of themselves. But on the other hand, you had some folks in the church there that probably thought too much of themselves. I think every church has both groups. Well, Paul had a word for the second group as well. Look at verse 21. And the eye cannot say into the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. So it's as though Paul reloaded his gun and took a loving shot at those who thought their spiritual gifts were the only ones that mattered. No more could the first group say we're not needed than could the second group say we don't need you. So so the eye can't look at the hand and say, hey, I see it just fine. I don't need to grab it. I don't need you to grab it for me and, and get it for me. That's crazy because the eye can't grab. 
But the head can't say to the feet, hey, I know where I need to go. I'll get there without you. That would be foolish because the head can't walk. Likewise, in the church, those people who lead and stand in front of the body are foolish to think that those who stand behind them are not important to them or necessary to the work that God has called all of them to do. Paul illustrates this further in verse 22. He said, nay, much more those members of the body, which seem to be more feeble, are necessary. In other words, those folks who are not as visible may actually be more vital to the health and life of the body than those that are always out front. Think about it this way. Inside your chest beats your heart. You know this, that your heart can't survive outside of your body. And it wasn't meant to. It was meant to be hidden inside your body and guarded and protected by your skin and by your bones. And yet while you might survive having your nose cut off, you wouldn't make it a day if you had your heart cut out. Now, I want you to see the point the Spirit of God is making here. See, I must know this, that that as a pastor, I'm out front every Sunday. I'm preaching the sermon and I'm leading the service. But did you know the real heartbeat of the church may be some dear senior saint of God whose prayers for me and our church throughout the week are the only thing making sense out of my sermon as it reaches the ears of the congregation on Sunday morning. See, preachers are a dime a dozen, but prayer warriors are like hearts. They're like lungs. They're few and they're precious. And we wouldn't survive without them. And Paul is telling us this. We would do well to recognize how valuable the less visible members are with less prominent gifts and treat them as so. Rather than ignoring them because, hey, we think they're just left tackles and we're the quarterbacks. We should start to honor them. And that's what he makes clear in verse 23. He said, and those members of the body, which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. So there are parts of our bodies that everybody sees and there are parts of our bodies that are not for everyone to see. It's not that they're not important, but rather what they do is more valuable than how they look. Did you catch that? What they do It's more valuable than how they look. I love the way John MacArthur makes this application. He said this, every sensible person is more concerned with his heart than his hair. Now, should we comb our hair? Well, if you have it, it's a good idea. (laughs) But we all know that the arm that picks up the brush and the heart that pumps blood to that arm are more important to your life than the way you part your hair or how you style it. Listen, I know I need to preach the Word of God on Sunday. I know I need to be behind this pulpit and proclaiming, thus saith the Lord, consistently and correctly and compassionately and clearly. But here's what I also know. There is a nursery worker every Sunday who is holding a baby so that a mother can be in here to hear the message I preach. Hey, I know there are people that show up every Sunday to Fellowship Baptist Church, not because I'm so dynamic, but because some connection group leader or just a caring church member called them this week and checked in on them and encouraged them to be in their place. Do you need a pastor? Well, yeah, the Bible says so. But but the Bible also said a pastor needs you just as badly as you need him. We need one another. And the truth is, is we can't survive apart from one another. Because everybody is somebody in the body. No one should be insignificant in the body. Number two, no one should be independent from the body. And notice lastly, no one should feel indifferent to the body. 
See, God in his sovereign wisdom has made us who we are, and he's placed us where we need to be within his body. And he did it, Paul says in verse 25, not so that we could fight about who's better and who's most valuable, but but so that there would be no schism or division is what that verse means, that word means, in the body. Look at verse 25, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. So so rather than chopping ourselves up into pieces and arguing about which one is most needed, listen, we as members of this church ought to have the same care for one another. That word care means concern. We ought to be as concerned for the man who turns the microphone up in the sound booth as we are for the one who sings into it on the stage. We ought to see as much value in the one teaching the Flyers Club upstairs on Wednesday night as we do the one teaching the Connection Group on Sunday morning. We ought to care as much for the Bucks worker as we do the longest tenured deacon in this church. As much for the lady who, who fixes food for the funerals as we do the trustees that form a $1 million budget. You see, Paul digs in this a little deeper in verse 26. He says, and whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. So rather than cliques and, and competing groups within the body, when everybody is somebody in the body, we all weep with those who weep. We all rejoice with those who rejoice. So, so when a brother falls, we'll all fall down to our knees with him. When a sister succeeds, we'll all cheer her victory, knowing that her victory is our victory. Now, I know this is a flawed illustration and probably not a good one, but it's where my mind went when it comes to showing concern one for another, weeping with those who weep and rejoicing with those that rejoice in our body. I just think we ought to be like a good baseball team. So if somebody hits the game winning walk-off home run, I think the whole church ought to go out of the dugout and we ought to go around home plate and jump up and down and wait to greet the hero of the game because his win is our win. Likewise, as one of our members gets attacked on the field, the bench ought to clear as we go and fight for them. Not literally, but man, we ought to love each other so much that we have each other's back in the good times and in the bad times. So, so, so we may be many members, and we are, but remember, we're one body. And that means when a tear comes to the eye of the body, the hand ought to be there to wipe it away. When the mouth says something worthy and good, the heart ought to be there to leap with joy at the truth of what has just been said. I want to sum it up this morning. How should you see yourself as a member of this body? Here's how, as significant. How should you see others as a member of the same body? Here's how, as significant. And if every member is seeing themselves and others correctly, what do we have? Here's what we have. A fully functioning and healthy body of Christ, all using their God-given gifts to serve one another and to help people find and follow Jesus. And that's really how the Apostle Paul closed the text. Look at verse number 27. Now ye are the body of Christ. Let me me make that more personal for our church. Now Fellowship Baptist Church is the body of Christ and members in particular. As we close, think about that phrase, the body of Christ. Now we know it speaks of you and me as the church, but you also know there was a time when there was a literal physical body of Jesus. He was born into this world through the womb of a virgin. 
He lived among us in a real breathing body. That body was a perfect body. I don't mean that it was physically perfect, but it was spiritually perfect. The eyes of Jesus always looked on the world with the compassion of God. The heart of Jesus always moved through the world with the love of God. The hands of Jesus touched and healed with the power of God. The feet of Jesus always walked in the will of God, including the day he walked up to a shameful, sin-cursed, and soon-to-be blood-soaked cross. It was on that cross that the Lord laid down his sinless body, his perfect body, on a tree. He shed his sinless blood for the sake of sinners like you and like me. And then he rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven. And now because of what he did in his earthly body, you and I have the privilege, the undeserved privilege, the unparalleled privilege to be his spiritual body on this earth. We have different roles. We have different responsibilities in his body. But we all have the same living head. Jesus Christ. And we're all tied together by his lordship over us. When you come back next Sunday, I just want you to look around the church. Because here's what you'll find. There's an eye. There's a hand. There's a foot. There's an ear. But the whole body has been washed in the same blood and saved by the same Lord. Everybody is somebody in the body. And that means everybody should be doing something in the body for the glory of God. If you're listening to this message this morning and you're not quite to that growth step, you haven't gotten involved in ministry through this local church, but you've taken the first four growth steps. Listen, I want to encourage you to really think about this. I want you to, I want to encourage you to to, to maybe fill out a connect card when you come back next Sunday and just put on there you're interested in getting involved in ministry. I want to encourage you to reach out to me personally, any of our pastoral staff members, and say, man, I, I want to take that step. Can you plug me in? And here's what we'll try to do. We'll try to just sit down and talk with you and figure out what your sweet spot in ministry would be. And sometimes you can't find that out, honestly, church, until you just get in there. But I hope that, that with God's help, and I hope based on the authority of, of the text that we've, we preached this morning, that you'll understand you are somebody in this body. You're not insignificant. And really, you, you, you aren't independent from the body either. You're no better than anybody else. And you certainly shouldn't be indifferent to the body. Everybody is somebody in the body. And I hope that you will take that next growth step very, very soon.